0: which i need because lately i want to do my hair in like a slicked back look but my hair's too frizzy get 15 off lola v with the code mom room at www.lolav.com mom room and lola v is l-o-l-a-v-i-e
1: little wing is now streaming on paramount plus i'm in a period of emotional people
0: i tell all the oh, i don't care crap Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rina, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is all about plus size pregnancy or fat pregnancy or being pregnant while living in a large body. As many of you listening may know, being pregnant is already stressful in and of itself. And once you add on being overweight, being obese, being plus size, whatever you want to call it, it comes with a whole whack of added stressors. And one of the biggest stressors is navigating the medical system. So you'll notice in this episode we talk about some positive experiences that Kathy had with healthcare providers and then some pretty horrible experiences. We touch on gestational diabetes We also talk about her recovery from her C-section and what that was like. And if you take anything away from this episode, let it be that your vagina cannot be fat, people. Okay? It's a hole. And on that note, let's jump into the episode. First thing that I wanted to talk about, which even when I was putting out the Instagram story for this topic, I was uncomfortable with what to call it. Sure. Sure. You know, I know people use the term plus size or curvy, but in, I guess, the medical system, they use the term obese, which I don't like that term because I feel like it has negative, you know, connotations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And most fat people don't like it either.
0: Right. And then uh, the, the word fat, obviously we've grown up where fat is used as a criticism or make fun of someone. That's what you say. But now I've heard a little bit about people saying maybe people want to start using the term fat. I wanted to hear what, what your thoughts are about what should people be calling it? I have called it plus size pregnancy, but what are your thoughts? What would you call it?
1: I personally call it either a plus size pregnancy or a fat pregnancy. I'm personally very comfortable with fat. Um, I am fat. I have more fat on my body than you do. By definition, that's my body type, um, and I think it's an adjective. So is thin. So is blue. So is blonde. So is brunette, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and we only associate that with using the word because it has been used negatively. So let's stop giving it so much power and just call it what it is. But I think, you know, if you are friends with someone uh, or family members with someone who lives in a larger body and you're comfortable to have the conversation, ask them, you know, but I think the beginning of the conversation is like, why do we need to describe people using their bodies? I think that's a first point of consideration. And then if it's necessary for the conversation, like it is for this one, because there are differences between a fat pregnancy and a, let's say, thin pregnancy or average body size pregnancy, whatever you want to call it, um, then we need to put a label on it. So talk to people you know about what they feel comfortable with, but I think more and more people are comfortable with fat. And if you're still feeling weird about it, then I think, Plus size is okay.
0: Because I know when I first asked you that, and you were like, we'll just call it fat pregnancy. And I didn't feel comfortable doing that, probably because of my own, you know, I grew up where that's kind of a bad thing to say to someone. So I felt uncomfortable as a thin person putting fat pregnancy. You know, I felt like people were going to look at me like, why are you calling it fat pregnancy? Like, that's so rude. But hopefully everyone can just get to the point where it's not used as a negative term. It's a descriptor.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a good time for everybody to take a minute with themselves and think about why they feel uncomfortable using the word and examining that for themselves, right? That I'm uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable for a long time and I still am uncomfortable using it to talk about somebody else because I don't know how they perceive the word. It's loaded language. And until we, we move further and we're not necessarily judging people by their bodies or their skin colors and so on and so forth, then we have a lot of work to do all around.
0: So another thing that I wanted to bring up was when I put it out there that I was going to have an episode on this topic, some people were kind of confused. You know, why is this a topic that you would consider talking about? Which... When I think about it, that is maybe part of the problem. At first, I was like, well, that's kind of good because they don't see why someone who's fat, who's getting pregnant, why that would even be an issue. Like, But at the same time, it's also ignoring that there is an issue with just taking away the pregnancy, even a fat person navigating the medical system, navigating anything in life. There is a stigma And there's issues surrounding that. So, not seeing that there is an issue is an issue
1: in and of itself, for sure.
0: Yes. Because then, if if that's how everyone is, then there's going to be no change.
1: Nobody's helping to advocate for us, right? So, it's really helpful to have an ally. Like, one of the big recommendations when there's some fear in navigating the health system is to bring a thin friend with you. They're often the one to say, hey, listen. You wouldn't be telling me to lose weight if I was telling you that my leg hurt. Do some diagnostics. Maybe weight is a contributing factor, but maybe there's something else going on and you can't 100% say, well, the problem with your leg is that you're fat and not that there's a blood clot or any other million number of things that could possibly be going on. Do your job. (laughs) diagnose. And if it is a weight issue, it's a weight issue, but chances are, it's probably not.
0: So I wanted to talk a little bit about your story, your experience. So I know because you're my friend, I know that you guys had trouble conceiving. And was there anything that stands out to you, stories or an experience that you had?
1: We were really lucky um, in that I've already sort of done the work in ensuring that my medical providers are um, sort of fat positive and believe in health at every size. I think that's, that's been a really key factor for me, improving my overall care, that there's always been, since I switched providers, less of an emphasis on sort of what the scale says and what my overall lifestyle looks like. And I think that's key for everybody. Um, but I'll, I'll start that off saying like, I've, I've come from a lucky position where I already have that established.
0: And how did you do that? Can I ask how you, how does someone do that? How do you know if someone is that friendly? right fat
1: friendly what i did in order to find that provider was um i've joined some facebook groups for my city so there's i'm on one it's a fat friends group specifically for toronto most cities have these groups uh plus size clothing swap groups or buy and sell groups um they're usually pretty open to people posting about you know either also having social gatherings and asking questions so um once I lingered in the group long enough and was sort of comfortable enough, I actually put that question out there in terms of seeing who people have been to before, who they had a positive experience with. And once I heard the name of the medical practice, you know, I called to see if they were taking anybody and I was lucky enough to to do that <clears throat> and then schedule an appointment. And then that at that first sort of intake appointment, it's putting out the feelers right away. So I sort of took the initiative to mention my weight and how somebody responds um, really can tell a lot. And so right away she was like, okay, your, your weight is your weight, but was more interested in my lifestyle and I knew that it wasn't going to be a significant factor. I went in just for a, a pap test. I'm like, I don't really see what the scale says has anything to do with me doing a, just a pap, not an overall health exam um, didn't get, make me get on the scale, right? Because it's irrelevant to what's being done in that context. So, you know, these are, these are little things that, that matter that me going in to be screened, um, for my gynecological health doesn't have to do with necessarily what the scale says. So that's how I found my current practitioner
0: Right. So it's probably important for people to know and whether it's because you're fat or who knows what the reason is, if you're uncomfortable with your healthcare provider to try and go find somebody else.
1: For sure. You are not forced to stay with someone that you are not comfortable with. If I went to a grocery store and was treated poorly by the cashier, I would go somewhere else. It's well documented in in the literature that fat people get poor health care because of that fat bias and and so if you're not speaking up for you who will
0: this episode is brought to you by magic spoon you guys know i have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately i'm looking at protein i'm looking at sugar content and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Are there that you know of reasons why maybe someone who's fat would have trouble trying to conceive? Because I think that was your impression was that people would think that you had trouble trying to conceive just because of your weight, because everything is attributed to that.
1: Absolutely. But I went in with a little bit of confidence thanks to my family doctor. So before we even tried to conceive, I went to her and had a full medical workup and talked to her about my sort of fitness in terms of conceiving. And all my medical tests came back great. You know, I was, had great blood sugar, great blood pressure. My vitamin levels were great. Um, Literally the only outlier was my weight. And so she said, based on all that, there was absolutely no reason to think that there would be any difficulty trying to conceive, but that if after a year we were still having issues that we should speak to her for a referral to a fertility clinic. So I went in with that confidence, which was a great Place to start from. And I hope that everybody listening who may be trying to conceive in a fat body goes in with that same kind of confidence. I know everybody's health differs, um, and those individual factors are certainly things you should discuss. But just because you are maybe pre diabetic doesn't mean you can't get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. There just may be additional things you need to do to mitigate those risks. Anyways, so a year goes by, we're not pregnant, right? So one year, okay, time for that referral. And this is where the anxiety came in. What will the fertility clinics say when they get my chart and see my weight? Because I've heard horror stories and I've got a lot more since sort of talking about that this podcast was going to be happening about people being told that in order to get IUI or IVF, that they had to lose 20 pounds and then they lost 20 pounds. And then they were told another 15, another 10 another 10. And that goalpost just kept being moved because they kept saying they were too high risk for any intervention. And so I was really worried that if I needed IVF, for example, that I was just going to be told no, and that my dreams of becoming a a biological mother would be crushed simply because I happen to live in a large body. And That's not because of a lifetime of not trying (laughs) to lose weight, right? Right.
0: So obviously, fat people can get pregnant naturally. So why would there be a high risk of, let's say, IVF or some kind of intervention?
1: IVF, I from my understanding, and I'm, I'm not a medical practitioner, I haven't read a ton about this, but my understanding is that the risk with IVF is a couple of things, but one being the, all the hormones and drugs that you need to go on. But the biggest risk is that they remove your eggs surgically and that there's a higher risk of complications in the surgery because of the higher body weight. So from a medical perspective, I can understand, but at the same time, is the answer really to have to get into a quote, normal BMI or is there, are there other things to mitigate that risk? And that's where I think it'd be interesting to look at more research. And there are fertility specialists who do IVF for people who are uh, in that sort of medically obese and mortally obese category it does it does happen, and they do have successful pregnancies
0: yeah and it 's probably similar regarding anyone at any size giving birth uh in a hospital setting. It depends on your physician. Are they going to let you give birth in the squatting position because that 's what you want to do, or it 's easier for them for you to lay on your back. So they don't do those kinds of births, you know, like it depends on your physician.
1: Yeah. And it can be done safely, but there's probably other factors that they need to look at. And maybe not every person who's fat can qualify, but there's also not every thin person would qualify either. I've lucked out just by chance to have a provider who wasn't particularly just discriminatory there are issues sometimes there is a correlation between being in a in a larger body and that insulin resistance and hormonal imbalances and polycystic ovarian syndrome and other issues that can impact fertility so let's not ignore the fact that your body size may actually be a symptom of something else and not necessarily the cause of a problem but due to a problem that is impacting your fertility so you have to look at the whole person and the whole package, and, and, and she did that. She did do the token, like, this could be easier if you were smaller, weight loss surgery conversation that I feel they do to appease themselves. Like, I checked the box that I have to tell you that this would be easier if you were not fat, um, but she did it in a respectful way, and then we got lucky again. This clinic specialized in doing all the testing that needed to be done to rule out everything Within one cycle, so one menstrual cycle, at the last day of my cycle, um, I got a phone call. Assuming they were going to tell me when my next appointment was, and they told me I was pregnant. So, so we got we got lucky. So you
0: were pregnant. You didn't actually need an intervention. It just happened, and it happened
1: for me. There were no fertility issues. Um, I they had strongly suspected. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, but that turned out not to be the case. Um, I did have like a lower than average number of eggs. If anybody out there is wondering how many eggs I have, it's below average, but obviously not impacting my fertility for another few years. And then, and then came the okay, what's this pregnancy going to look like?
0: What would you say was the hardest part of pregnancy for you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's physical. It could also be something more mentally tough.
1: Well, there's a whole song and dance and this could be a whole conversation in and of itself and medical providers not communicating with each other because there was a whole lot of issues between the fertility clinic and the early pregnancy clinic.
0: Just just to be clear, so you were seeing a fertility clinic um, because you had trouble conceiving. You ended up conceiving naturally. So at that point, when the fertility clinic called to let you know that you were pregnant, now what happens? Do they send you back to your family physician or that you stuck with the fertility clinic? How did that work?
1: So the fertility clinic, and I don't know if this is the way all of fertility clinics work, but certainly in the case of mine, um, you are automatically redirected to their sort of early pregnancy program, which makes a lot of sense for people who do have issues conceiving because what they're doing is tracking your hormones and the growth of the embryo, then fetus, um, to ensure that everything that should be happening is happening. So they're looking at things like how your progesterone is going, how, if the HCG is increasing, um, because they're looking at, um, preventing miscarriage as well, um, or at least being able to determine why it happened if it does come up so that they can potentially prevent it in a subsequent pregnancy. So I was automatically referred there. It was great to have that early pregnancy program there because I was able to have that uh, peace of mind that the early pregnancy um, was going well and that things were developing as they should. So that was great, especially because um, it's like, yeah, you're pregnant, but now, oh shit, because for so long, you've been told about all the doom and gloom about pregnancy in, in a fad body. So, okay, well, you're pregnant, but now good luck because there's no way you're going to be able to deliver vaginally. That epidural's not going to work. You're going to have a stillborn. You're going to have gestational diabetes. You're going to have preeclampsia.
0: And I'm guessing that's not just from physicians, but in general...
1: Oh, make a quick Google of like fat pregnancy, obese pregnancy, plus size pregnancy. People magazine did a really nice fat shamey number on pregnancy in a large body where they pretty much just said like, you're screwed. Right. And like, it's really not helpful and it's not accurate.
0: Right. So it's like you go through all the stress that a lot of people go through trying to conceive and then finally you're like yay it's like an emotional roller coaster yay i'm pregnant and then you know you have that f- half hour of being excited and then you're like oh shit like now i have to you know face all this stuff
1: yeah and like now what if something does go wrong because guess what one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and that sucks and that is the statistic all around so that happens to women mm-hmm or people who are pregnant of all sizes and the difference now is that well if that happens to me I'm gonna have that devastation and blame
0: and yeah it's my fault because I'm fat
1: yeah I killed my baby which is not fair it's not even scientifically correct so there was that all that fear um you know, that was great to be followed by the early pregnancy program to know that like things were going well. I know not everybody has that. In my case, they followed for the first 10 weeks, I believe. And then they referred me to an obstetrician who specializes in both um, like high BMI slash fat pregnancies and high risk pregnancies. So this is a point conversation as well. Like I know a lot of people in large bodies automatically get that referral to like they call it maternal fetal medicine, that high risk OB simply because of their BMI. In my case, this was a conversation with the fertility clinic because uh, I have a family history of preeclampsia. And for the record, the people in my family who had preeclampsia or were borderline were all thin. And so I I knew that being in a large body, being fat, that I I was at a slightly increased risk as well. So I wanted to make sure that we were on top of
0: that. Good. And your experience with her? Amazing. Good. Amazing.
1: It was absolutely amazing. At my first appointment with her, after some confusion, so that was a bit of a funny story, (laughs) the fertility clinic sent over my referral to her, but they messed it up and put it in as a pregnancy consult pre-pregnancy consultation so I'm sitting in her office like talking to her and she's like so what are you hoping to get from this appointment like what kind of information are you looking for and I was like um are you the doctor (laughs) how my baby is doing (laughs) (laughs) and she was like what yeah I'm 12 weeks pregnant (laughs) and so we started off on an interesting foot but she quick corrected course updated her notes got me in for the appropriate testing because I had called to ask if my husband should come along for an ultrasound they were like no why would you have an ultrasound like oh I don't know because I have a baby inside me like I don't know why
0: <laughs> like I'm I didn't go to medical school but
1: like maybe you'd like to see how it's doing or take my blood or <laughs> something and because of my how I deal with my own anxiety I brought up my weight I don't let them get to the point where it becomes a thing that they talk about as though I'm an idiot and I don't know that I'm fat. I've had that conversation too much in the past. Like, are you
0: aware? Like what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny that you noticed that about yourself.
1: Yeah. I just nip it in the bud and I'm sure it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a defense mechanism. Like FYI, um, I know I'm fat. So let's just get that out in the open. Um, And she was like, yeah. Um, so there are, you know, a few things that we need to, to watch, um, you know, she's like, I will send you early for a gestational diabetes test and, you know, we'll monitor your blood pressure and things like that, especially given your family history. She's like, but, uh, you know, more often than not, these pregnancies go well and we'll, we'll take a look at things. She gave the, the medical line that they recommend, um, not gaining more than a about 15 pounds when you're already um, in that obese category Um, she said but that's a guideline if it happens to be a little more than that unless it's causing complications it doesn't really matter focus on giving your body the things that it needs to feel good and and help the baby grow and Mm -hmm. move your body in ways that feel good but don't stress about the scale And I came all the way down from my very defensive and very anxious state really quickly. I wish that everybody could have that experience. So I think it's important to have this conversation for people to know that it is possible to have a provider who um, looks at you as a whole person and not just a number on a scale. Who doesn't feel like you're being fat at them, as I read somewhere? I'm not being fat at you. You don't need to lecture me. Like, I'm not offending you by being fat. That just happens to be the body I'm in. Um, Or treat you like an idiot because you're in a larger body, right? Like, I have a master's degree, I understand nutrition, I know
0: what a vegetable is. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. So it's interesting. I'm happy that you gave the example of how she dealt with it and how she spoke to you. Because if we fast forward a little bit to a different physician that you... um,
1: A physician and a nurse.
0: Okay, right. And this is applicable to any healthcare provider or anyone who's dealing with anyone, how to speak to them.
1: Maybe like you're a human. You're a whole person. This
0: was one of the points that I wanted to talk about was kind of, you know, if you were to give advice to healthcare professionals about speaking to a fat person... So that was a good example of what to do and how to interact with someone uh, while still getting your message across and absolutely, I think most people, especially people living
1: in large bodies, understand that there are health risks, and so we' are open to that conversation. There are risk factors, and so tell me about how to mitigate those risk factors without just prescribing me removing half my stomach or triggering my old eating disorder or, 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 right? There's more benefit to looking at overall lifestyle, nutrition, and exercise, rather than focusing on weight loss in terms of improving health. The recent stats and research around what those complications actually are, in a lot of cases, there's actually more risk in the healthcare system to people who are fat because of the bias rather than the actual weight being an issue. So because they're attributing something to weight, they miss something else.
0: So it's kind of like the thought that people can be healthy at any size. Yeah, health at every size. There's people that look like me, who are thin, who are extremely unhealthy.
1: Absolutely.
0: But they don't go into a physician's office and feel they're being discriminated against because they're not fat, they're skinny. Yeah. Yeah, tell us the tale or the story of your negative experience.
1: So I sinned the cardinal fat pregnancy sin. (laughs) (laughs) and that is I went ahead and I got gestational diabetes (laughs) I had other issues with my placenta as well I had a notch they call it in my placenta the blood flow was weird Uh, the hormones were crazy
0: for the record you know if, if someone has not been pregnant before or maybe they just don't maybe they have been pregnant and they just don't know Gestational diabetes is not so much dependent upon your weight, because I specifically remember my OB telling me when she gave me the referral to get the diabetes test that everyone has to get. I remember her specifically pointing out to me that, like, I know you're healthy, you go to yoga every day, you're thin, you're a healthy person. But this has nothing to do with that. You could come back with gestational diabetes and it has nothing to do with your weight.
1: Interesting, because the nurse handing me my referral said, you're getting screened for gestational diabetes and you're probably going to have it because of your weight. So
0: probably not a thing to say.
1: Yeah. And then I had it.
0: Which is annoying and a pissed off because, yeah, now that you're terrified to get it, whereas me, I wasn't because there's no stigma attached to it for me. If I got it, it's not my fault. And we talked about this the other day. Like, if I were to get it, I would be like, oh, damn, like, has nothing to do with me. But if you get it, it's your fault.
1: I caused it. I did it. Yeah, but I already had placenta issues and there was a good chance that it was going to be something like this because I also had gestational hypothyroidism. So, because of my pregnancy, my thyroid wasn't working properly and they said that was in part due to the hormones produced by the placenta and guess what gestational diabetes is caused by? Hormones produced by the placenta. So, that same nurse who told me that like I was for sure going to get it called me and said, "See, you have it. She said something to the effect of like, you already have type two diabetes, right? And I was like, um, bitch, you have my chart right in front of you because you found my phone number. Why don't you just maybe like open it? As I mentioned earlier, my blood sugars were amazeballs. So.
0: And it's the fact that she wouldn't say that to someone who was thin, I'm sure.
1: And then said, so we're going to refer you to the endocrinology. Fine. Appropriate. But in the meantime, lay off the candy and pop. Which is soda for our American
0: friends.
1: (laughs) And it's like have a lifestyle where at the time I was living in a condo, had my personal trainer coming to the condo a few times a week, like eating super healthy because I wanted to make sure that this pregnancy went as well as possible. So it was just like a real slap in the face. Here I am doing everything I can to do right. At this point, I was about 20 weeks pregnant and had lost weight. Like why she's making all these assumptions is merely because of the BMI.
0: Yeah. So in one, in one phone conversation, she made the assumption that you have type 2 diabetes and that all you eat is candy and you only drink Coca-Cola.
1: For the record, that sounds awesome.
0: But I wasn't doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, but who would even say that? I know. Actually, you're a freaking healthcare professional. Who says that to someone? A healthcare professional who works in a clinic
1: with a physician who specializes in high BMI pregnancies and should have more of an understanding of the people coming through her door and realize that you can't make these big sweeping assumptions. I even put off meeting with the endocrinology clinic because she. Destroyed me, so I was now potentially interfering with the development of growth of my child because of how she made me feel. I was afraid to talk to another healthcare practitioner because of those assumptions, and I and I then assumed that that's how I would be treated moving forward. That I caused this problem.
0: If that was your initial phone call to find out that you had gestational diabetes. I would not want to go to that clinic either.
1: Yeah. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want anybody to know about it. Actually, like probably if some of my family are listening to this right now, by the way, I had gestational diabetes. Uh, <laughs> because I was made to feel so much shame about it that I hid it. Yeah. I would like skulk off to the bathroom and like hide my, I I only needed insulin at night, but uh like I would, I would hide it. If anybody came to the house, I made sure like there were no papers about the nutrition around that there were no signs of any insulin in the fridge. Like I would hide it behind my husband's wine bottles in the fridge, like made sure. Like,
0: I, I don't, I don't have diabetes, but I am drinking wine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, better. That would be better. <laughs> More acceptable to that than to have gestational diabetes in a fat body. Right.
0: Because it's your fault.
1: Yeah, I did it. So I put off, I put off the appropriate care. Uh, Then I did meet with that endocrinologist and uh, she made some assumptions as well. But at that point I had built up enough fury to uh, tell her what was what.
0: The next thing we will talk about is the delivery and kind of what your, what was your delivery plan or your, what was the plan with your OB?
1: Um, so, I, of course, reading these stupid articles that people publish about your vagina is too fat to deliver, which, by the way, biologically makes no sense. Your vagina is a whole, it can't be fat. Um,
0: <laughs> so, if anyone takes anything home from this podcast episode, let it be
1: your vagina is a whole.
0: <laughs> your vagina is a whole, and it's not fat. <laughs>
1: So my plan uh in speaking with my OB because I was like am I going to be able to deliver vaginally and she's like I don't see any reason why not you know unless the baby is breached and we can't turn it or the, you know there's an there's an issue um she was like yeah like I don't everything looks great so far so And we kept having these conversations every two weeks until we got closer and closer. Uh, I was induced at 38 weeks because of gestational diabetes. That's standard among all weight classes, simply because they want to make sure um, that A, the baby's not too big, and B, uh, those last like week or two of pregnancy, blood sugars tend to start going wacky as the placenta is mature. So what they don't want um, a big drop or big spike in sugar right as you deliver uh, because that can cause a lot of complications for the baby. So they preemptively sort of induce, no, this doesn't happen with everybody, but it is extremely common for this to to be the case with gestational diabetes as it was with me. Anyways, go to be induced. They did the, they did a fun, like, they put a balloon in to make you dilate and all that good stuff. Uh, like with most people, put some Pitocin. That was all perfectly fine. Things were moving along. Uh, and then things stalled. So, what I learned was that actually my daughter was positioned incorrectly. So, she wasn't coming into my pelvis properly because uh, she was facing the wrong direction. So, I wasn't dilating enough. Um, and so, that I ended up needing a C section after. 24 hours of labor and, and absolutely no complications. And, and I'm a pretty big girl. So, um, all that hype, all that hype, all that fear, all that anxiety I had about it for nothing. Anyways, I did end up having a C-section. There's all kinds of horror stories about needing a C-section when you're fat as well. All the infection, you know, if you have a big belly, which I do, like it's never going to heal. It's going to be disgusting.
0: You're freaking, I, I feel like your recovery was, cause I visited shortly after when you got home. I don't remember. Was she like a week old? Not
1: even, I don't think.
0: Cause I remember, yeah, we were super early going to visit and yeah. I was like, what? You were awesome. For yeah.
1: So fat mamas out there who need to discuss having a C-section, definitely discuss that incision location because that made all the difference. I was now in a position where I could keep it clean and dry. And then they used a um, reverse pressure kind of thing bandage that was always like sucking out the moisture that made me heal super fast.
0: What would you say about your recovery?
1: Um, that it was way better than expected. I was terrified about the recovery from a vaginal birth. And I was also terrified about a C-section recovery because you hear nightmare stories about, you know, the incision opening, getting infected and that kind of thing. And, you know, maybe I was lucky, but I also think that it was in part due to the proper bandage and the proper incision location. That also helped because like you don't bend from a couple inches below your belly button, but you do at your pelvic bone. So picking up my baby and things like that, we're not comfortable.
0: Even sitting though even to be sitting you're not you're not bent at the incision
1: no instead it's like my my fat is out it's fine it's not in the way
0: (laughs) okay so now we have a cute little girl in the world so what would you say like what would your biggest piece of advice be for someone who is fat who is looking to get pregnant
1: I mean, I think number one, you got to be prepared to like speak up for yourself. And then generally speaking, like worry less about the scale and more about your healthy pregnancy habits, like everybody generally does during pregnancy. Uh, Don't get too hung up on that. Uh, Find that provider who believes in health at every size. I think don't be ignorant of the risks, like be aware that there are some, but that it's not the average. So don't let people scare you into thinking that your pregnancy is doomed. There are millions of fat women who get pregnant all the time, who have wonderful pregnancies with no complications and vaginal deliveries. Like don't, don't let that fear get you. And look, like you can have a complication. I had gestational diabetes. Did it suck? Yeah. Especially when you have providers who are all there for the stigma, but You know, having that like solid OB sort of help. So find that core provider who's going to have your back. And yeah, advocate for yourself. Don't let someone shame you. Be open to those conversations about mitigating risk, but you should never be made to feel like you've caused a problem or that your body is wrong and that you don't deserve a beautiful pregnancy.
0: Or that you're making their job so hard because of your guys. Yeah.
1: Evidence-based compassionate care. That's what we're looking for. Okay.
0: So I just wanted to end by telling people what some of your favorite resources are. And it could be resources for pregnancy in general, uh, Instagram accounts that you follow that are kind of advocating for health at every size or body positivity uh, or podcasts, any resources.
1: Yeah, so some of my favorites. So the best book that I read was The Birth Partner by Penny Simkin.
0: That was such a
1: good book. Um, an Instagram account that I really like is Plus Mommy. So she's doing what I dream of doing, which is like she runs an Instagram account, a website. She also has a podcast that. Um, has some really great information and she has a whole resources section. So either plusmommy.com or plussizebirth.com, they both bring you to the resources. Her name is Jen McClellan, but plusmommy on Instagram. One of her articles that I'd highly recommend is called uh, Doctor Appointments Alone, You're Fearful of Fat Shaming. Um, In terms of combating just that general um, fat stigma, I really like Your Fat Friend you're being like YR, fat friend uh, on Instagram, or full out your yourfatfriend.com. <clears throat> uh, someone who is very knowledgeable about health at every size and talking a lot about the research behind it and sort of diet culture and all that is Dr. Joshua Woolrich, W-O-L-R-I-C-H. He's on Instagram. And the last one, uh, great for just general OB resources and particularly focusing on that postpartum period is Dr. Sterling OBGYN. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you very much for speaking to your noodle friend. Thanks for having your rigatoni friend on. (laughs) I'm sure I will talk to you in five minutes off of this microphone. And what is your Instagram account if people want to follow you?
1: Well, I had started a fun one that was all about plus size pregnancy, but uh, we've recently had a, a surge of uh, followers on my main account, so we'll
0: talk about that one, which is at Molasses and Bread. All right, thank you so much for listening to that episode. Again, my name is Renee Rena. This is the Mom Room Podcast, and if you have a moment, please go to wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review. And if you're looking for more mom room shenanigans, you can follow me on TikTok and on Instagram at the.mom.room. My blog is renearena.com and I put out a new blog post every Sunday night. So be sure to look out for that. We will be back next week with a brand new episode and I will just leave you with I really hope your child sleeps tonight.